0: All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. Thanks so much for listening to Teacher Talking Time. I'm Andrew here from the Learn Your English team. Mike, Leo, and I are absolutely thrilled to have you here. If you're new to the podcast or to us at LYE in general, first of all, welcome. And second of all, you know, we dedicate most of our time to helping both current and aspiring teacher entrepreneurs overcome those pesky obstacles that get in the way to having your own organic teaching business. By organic, you know, we mean both how you acquire your clients and, of course, how you work with them as well. From niching down to creating your own niche of one, to course design, instructional design, and organic pedagogical approaches like task-based language learning, dogma ELT, if you're passionate about honing your craft, developing as a practitioner, and generating your own online income, yes, it's all possible, we're happy you're here with us. We have a bunch of free and paid resources to help you out no matter where you are on your journey, and this podcast, of course, being one of them. We also have an entire library of free supports on our website to help you right away, no matter where you are in your teacherpreneur journey. You can find that on the website, learnyourenglish.com. While you're there, help us out and help us help you the best that we can. You know, everyone is at a different point in their entrepreneur journey. So whether you're just starting and thinking about having a business or whether you've already started, but you're still teaching one-to-one, or even if you've made the leap to grow and have already have your own course, shoot us a message, let us know, and we can send you specific supports for your specific situation. You can do that through the website, LearnYourEnglish.com or by email, info at LearnYourEnglish.com. And now with that out of the way, let's get on to today's episode. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast.
1: time the amount of time that your students spend spend speaking in your class yes each individual one and what you might discover is that in a 50 or 60 minute class they're only speaking for about one minute in total you know is that really the best way to kind of go about student-based or student-centered language teaching from a planning perspective, the focus now switches from wow, how can I create and design handouts and fun activities to thinking about tasks and thinking about potential language that might emerge in those tasks. And while you're engaging in the tasks with the student in dialogue, you're now your role is now not the lesson planner as, as a, in a prescriptive way, but rather you're now a co-researcher. You're, you're invest, engaging in co-inquiry with your students as you go through these tasks. Or as you work with texts and right. you're now saying with them, wow, like, look at this. Like, do you notice what's happening here? Like, let's let's really look at that and like, let's explore why they're saying it this way in this situation. Really, that's the kind of emotion that the kind of inquiry that we want to kind of instill in our learners, because really those are the skill sets that lead to lifelong learning. Like my mother before Christmas holiday get everything cooked and ready to go only to find out someone has a food allergy. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Versus versus get a bunch of ingredients, have people show up and let's make the meal together. Right. Like that's exactly what that's a very good
2: analogy. Yeah. Hello everyone. And welcome to another episode of the teacher talking time podcast to those of you who are new. Each episode of our podcast is devoted to bringing the most recent, most innovative, and most insightful research applications into teacher education, language teaching, and language education. And if you are also new to our Learn Your English community, I have to tell you more about our Teacher Accelerator Program, which is our online program for teachers all around the world who want to eliminate lesson planning, reach and help more students, teach less, earn more money without, of course, sacrificing work-life balance. Our programs help teachers reflect and develop in the most important skills they need to succeed in the information age. And it's just like your teaching isn't for everyone. Our program isn't for everyone. It's for someone. The program has four pillars of successful design. We have a community, we have live sessions, we have self-paced learning, and more importantly, we have lots, lots of feedback. Does this sound like you? Are you a teacher who wants to Implement dogmy and task-based learning in your teaching? Do you want to eliminate lesson planning? Do you want to help more students, but also work less? Do you want to transition from selling your time, teaching one-to-one, to actually focusing on outcomes and selling results? Do you want to be a business owner and not an employee? And more importantly, do you want to build and scale your teaching business? If this sounds like you, then you have a great opportunity here. Just head over to our website, learnyourenglish.net slash schedule and book a meeting with us. We would love to have a conversation about your current situation and whether we can help you with any of these things. Well, well, welcome to another podcast episode. And today we're going to be talking about Dogma ELT, which according to someone that I actually talked to on LinkedIn recently, it's the approach that is turning language teaching on its head. I don't know why they would say that, but I'll say this. If you're tired of dusty old textbooks, tedious grammar drills, and those old photocopies of grammar news, then this is probably the episode for you, because today, Mike, Andrew, and myself, we're going to be diving into the principles of Dogma ELT, which is basically an approach that values three things. The 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 CCA, conversation, communication, and authenticity in language learning. So just to give you a little heads up on what we're gonna to be touching on today, we're gonna to be exploring why dogma LT is becoming increasingly popular in language teaching and also how it differs from traditional approaches. We're gonna be looking at emergent language, authentic materials, and we're gonna also be unpacking the key principles of Dogma ELT and explore how it can help students develop their language skills in a more engaging and also effective way. And it's not just for traditional classrooms. Now, after COVID and the availability of technology and online resources, we truly believe that Dogma ELT can be implemented in a variety of settings from online classes to your own online language program so whether you're a language teacher looking to shake things up or just a language learner or or a, a bystander looking for a more engaging and more authentic and more holistic approach join us as today we're going to be exploring the world of dogma elt get ready to unplug unwind and unleash your thoughts and ideas on this topic mike andrew welcome to the show what well an intro!
0: Done. Holy well Moses! Done. Wow. Do you, you know, know why?
2: <laughs> I was having a conversation with a teacher on LinkedIn, and she's like, "I've never heard of Dogme. Why is that?" Okay. Yeah. Why? What do you guys think? Why? Why do you think there are so many teachers who still have not heard of Dogme LT? Eh, maybe it depends on where they are
1: in their career. Um, if they're mm. just starting off, they're Maybe still learning the ropes and sticking to some systems that that really are easy for them to latch on to and apply to their classroom that uh perhaps require a little less mm-hmm. experience to kind of, you know, recognize things like emergent language and, and whatnot. For others, maybe they just lose they lose contact with the community and they they right. they um, miss out on some of these new and innovative approaches. Right. You know, that happens when you get kind of caught up in your career. Andrew, I don't know, what do you
0: think? <laughs> You're playing it hard and fast with the word new. I think <laughs> new approaches. Oh, um, is so, so. is me new? I know uh, we would. I know no, we talked. So. <laughs> it's not new. But, <laughs> we talked but, but
1: but but we all know these things happen in cycles, right? Like it's like old fashion. is new again, and then yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, well, just joking. But I think to your point, like I don't know if it's spoke. I know umbrella term celta or pre. I mean, each celta can kind of do their own thing, but you know, I don't know if Dogme is mentioned on pre-service training courses i don't know i'm sure it's not mentioned in textbooks i'm sure it's not talked about you know unless someone brings it up unless someone purposefully talks about it. i know in conferences it's talked about now you know i think we can we can group emergent language into the dogma discussion certainly i mean mm-hmm. emergent language or dealing with it would require some kind of dogmatic mm-hmm. <laughs> dogmatic approach but i mean it's, yeah it's definitely not not talked about to the extent so I mean, we all have our own echo chambers on online and in mine and yours, and I'm sure Mike as well, like Dogme has talked about all the time. So I've, it does surprise me slightly that there'd be someone who hadn't heard of it, but that doesn't really surprise me as well because I'm sure there's lots of other chambers right. where it's not it's not talked about. And LinkedIn sends me all the Dogma. The algorithm sends it right to me, right? So, <laughs> so that's it. Um, it's it's, it's nice. barking back at you. <laughs> it's barking right back at me. Yeah. Every time I hear yeah. like, you say... The word dogma, Leo. I don't know. Instagram must have analytics on this, right? But I want. I've always wondered, like, when people watch Instagram stories, do the majority? Is there a percentage of people who watch it sound on, sound off? You know, because I know you always put the captions on the Instagram. You know, the stories that that you do every time you (laughs) say dogma, it it puts it as dog me right and I always laugh yeah. every or single dog time or dog mayo <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah yes yes it's and funny I wonder well, if, 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 if this person's shoot. watching with the caption or the sound off maybe that's why she's never or they've never heard of it because they think it's yeah it's what dog. is dog mayo
2: yeah. or dog me <laughs> yeah dog well maybe we should say that dog may is also known as teaching unplugged and to those of you who are new to this it's very much an approach to language teaching That emphasizes conversation and communication over any sort of pre planned, preemptive lessons where the teacher is explicitly teaching grammatical points, or as Thornbury likes to call, um, grammar McNuggets, or teaching vocabulary. And as I said, it was developed by Scott and Luke Maddings, both of whom we had actually a chance to interview here for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think it was back in the early 2000s. And from what I remember and from the interview that we had with um, with Luke and, and, and Scott, to them it was mostly a reaction. Uh, a reaction to this over-reliance on, as we said, the the dusty old textbooks. An over-reliance on course books and other prepackaged materials in language teaching. Right? So... I wanted to just dive right into the principles of Dogme and talk to you guys about this. So focus on conversation and communication. What does that mean to you when we think about this in terms of uh, of teaching Unplugged or Dogme ELT? I
0: think that's... I always find it funny. I mean, I don't know. I find it funny that we we are having these conversations because to me, that's such a basic element to learning a language, acquiring a language, developing language skills, whatever vernacular we want to use you know a focus on communication means or if we read between the lines or if i'm maybe just just me but if i'm inferring that means other approaches do not focus on that which i know is not really true but that that sounds strange to me so but what is you know conversation and communication i know we joke about the communicative approach and that having a a million different definitions and and that's true as well but Mm -hmm. you know communication is just for me, I know this is generic, but like understanding what your students want, what they need to do, and helping them have a conversation in order to explore that. And I guess in the dogmatic conversation, it's just having space and flexibility from an educator's perspective to allow that to happen and not be focused mm-hmm. on our, you know, these are all terms that get thrown around, but like prescribed aims and objectives that are usually grammatical, etc., And I think that those are common things that most of us and everyone listening would probably agree with. I think the difficulty for me is in practice, like when you do get into a real life scenario, like these are theoretical, these are like, hypothetically or or philosophically, I I want my students to converse. But when I get into a classroom and a school wants me to get through 19 pages in three days, how do I best apply that, right?
1: Yeah, for me, it kind of speaks to the whole form and meaning relationship, right? So... Mm -hmm. Part of you know a key tenant of communicative language teaching is is focused on meaning first, but you know a lot mm-hmm. of textbooks aren't necessarily conducive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, same, a lot of the communicative language teaching holds true this 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 value of the principle of personalization of of yeah. of having what's done in the lesson you know transfer into the students' real worlds and real lives. Right. So, um, if you're working with a textbook and you're working through uh, set prescribed outcomes, then really the, the, the meaning making kind of take the back seat I find and I find really with with a dogma or a conversation or communicative uh, based approach, really, what we're trying to get is usage and performance first, mm-hmm. you know, Leo, you and I often yeah. talk about this, right? Like, we're, we, we want to focus on performing in the language first and foremost, and then making space at, at, at some point there thereafter yeah. to to work on form and to help and I think there's this kind of preconception people have that they think oh doug me just chaos right and, and then that, that's not the case and we'll, we'll touch on that when we look at um, dealing with emergent language but but no it actually speaks to the you know the key pillars of communicative mm-hmm. language teaching which is um, a focus on meaning first. Um, Uh, personalization transfer all all of these things that really come up agency of the learner to take control and ownership over their own learning these are Mm. all key principles that communicative language teaching really holds at the at its core and um this approach just really speaks to them say more than say a a ppp or or other methods that might prescribe outcomes ahead of time
2: yeah well i think you, you you guys you both touched on very important things which is this idea of using communication, but I would go as far as to say that what we're, we're dealing with in in dogma ELT is authentic communication. It's we're really using communication to co-construct learning. Right? This inter- the interaction is natural. We are asking real questions. All of that is what you said, Mike. We're we're learning in the language. We're not learning about the language it's very student-centered because we're talking about topics we're talking about um, ideas or concepts that are relevant to the students in that in the heat of the moment when we're having this conversation and i was actually reading i've been reading this book a really good book i have a copy back here but i'm not gonna turn back and look at it now but i don't know if you guys know who neil mercer is but he's uh and actually want to get him on the podcast he's a he's a researcher in the field of education and he basically specializes in the study of language and communication in teaching and learning and he's best known for his work on dialogic pedagogy which i think dogme relies or or drinks um on the same fountains of dialogic pe- pedagogy because it's basically encouraging students to communicate even though they don't have the language but they're encouraged to to talk to each other because it is only through this conversation, this authentic communication, this interaction um, between teachers, students, that they can actually think and reason for themselves in a foreign language rather than simply memorizing and regurgitating information, which is often the case, even with language teaching. So so I think that's kind of the essence of the first principle of dogma. What do you guys?
0: I might, might be in the minority on this, but I, I don't think like outcomes-based teaching is like such a bad thing you know like i think it Mm. depends on what the outcome is certainly like i think if you're imagining yourself going into a classroom with 15 students or 20 students or whatever i think when we we think or when i think of outcome-based teaching we think of like the grammar points and the the vocab and the vocab list that we're gonna be like sure but if the outcome is you know a task let's say like the outcome is to be able to go to a restaurant and have that experience and, and do that right I don't think it's, and we, and I'm noticing that everyone in that room like is not able to do, it. let's say it's a, it's a hospitality class and, and they're not able to, to navigate that experience. And, you know, it might not be the worst thing for me to go in with that outcome in mind, but how I get there and how I allow them to do that. Cause that's what you said, that's authentic. That's, that's the real world. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. let them, you know, with the emergent language that would come, we'd do the task. I'd listen, I'd take notes. We'd look at some things. Yeah. Every individual student would have a different challenge, most likely within doing that. Being able to kind of filter those and put them into different buckets, if you if you will, you know. But that kind of outcome—that's more of a test, teach, test approach, which is, I think, it's okay mm-hmm. in, in a lot of in a lot of circumstances, because mm-hmm. the outcome is still authentic in 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 my view for for that kind of interaction. Mike, what about you?
1: Yeah, I, I just go back to something Leo said earlier, and and really that we have to remember that. The additional language is, is really the the means for interacting, but it's also mm-hmm. the outcome of the process as well. Yeah, right? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's it's right? right. So that that's at essence is like really what um like additional language socialization theory really speaks to. Um this whole idea that um as we're trying to join we we we're learning an additional language so we can join communities, right? And mm-hmm. it's only, as Leo said, it's only through authentic interaction for authentic purposes that we can actually use the language and, therefore, learn the language. And therefore, mm-hmm. in doing so, we're actually becoming better at the yeah. language. Yeah. So, so really, it it, it comes well, down said. to uh, uh, the the key the key focus on interaction. Yeah.
2: And and you know what's interesting about dogma is that when you're having this focus on conversation and this can be written conversation or spoken conversation and communication is that naturally as students are encouraged to think and reason from themselves for themselves as opposed to just memorizing information and and the teachers are encouraging the students to engage in this two-way dialogue not only with the teacher but with students asking questions listening engaging this back and forth of idea we have this we have this um this natural thing that starts to emerge. We have all this linguistic noise around us, and that's what um, Thornberry calls... Actually, it wasn't Thornberry. I think it was Leo Leer who actually used the term emergence or emergent language, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember having this conversation with with Richard Chin. Richard Chin, I was going to say. Yeah, (laughs) Richard Chin talked about that as well. So, yeah, so what happens is... Because we're focusing on communication, because we're focusing on this authentic interaction, authentic communication, naturally what's going to happen during the course of a lesson is that rather than pre-planning language that we're going to be teaching in isolation, like here's the present perfect, here's a simple past, what we're going to have is we're going to have language that is naturally occurring because, in again, it's going to be more authentic and more relevant because they are basically, or this is basically the kind of language that the students really need in order to be able to have those um, interactions, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and through that process, they're also learning things like turn-taking and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're being kind of, they're, they're creating these, (laughs) borrow from uh, Van Leer again, we're creating these affordances where everything Mm -hmm. in the environment is a learning opportunity, right? So, them wanting to interrupt you just so they can interject and and ask a follow-up question or cut you off so they can try their answer first these are all Mm -hmm. these are all important skills that one needs and the only way to learn them is actually as you said leo is a is is through uh, a clear purpose a clear authentic reason to use the language
0: yeah it's that means to the end right like the end is important but what's the means to get there, you know, Leo, you say this a lot, like the language is actually the vehicle. Like they're not learning the language per se, although obviously they are, but like they're wanting to do the thing that they feel they're not able to do. That's the destination. That's the goal. And the language and all of what that means is the vehicle that allows them to get there. And I feel like, like everything, like sometimes we focus too much on the goal, the destination that we cannot see like the things at a micro level that we need to do to get there. And I think the converse or the opposite is also true, where sometimes we focus so much on that 1% everyday kind of habit that on occasion we can lose sight of the destination as well. So I think dogma is a nice, for me, a nice blend to make sure that we know where we're going, but at the same time, in order to get there, there are these things that need to happen along the way.
2: As long as the outcomes are actually real things like outcome is i'm going to be able to deliver a presentation the outcome is i'm going to be able Mm -hmm. to socialize in university i'm going to be able to participate in a lecture and ask questions i'm going to be able to um you know have a conversation with someone because the biggest problem with language learning and i think that's what dogme was reacting against is the fact that language learning is not a process of acquiring a specific set of pre existing rules or structures. And I think what Van Leer was saying is that language is, a, is an emergent process, it's an emergent process that arises naturally from learners' participation in meaningful communication. And basically, what we're trying to say is we don't l- simply learn a set of grammatical rules or vocabulary words and then start speaking, but rather we develop our language skills through this active participation this active engagement in conversations and, and interactions with other people right 100 yeah yeah
1: and i i think going back to what andrew was saying earlier in terms of um you know the, the positives of some some of these um, more perhaps more traditional methods is that um with with those methods the teacher kind of has a structure and a, and a framework that mm-hmm. they're that they're used to and there's a little yes. bit of a comfort zone there and i, f- I find that um, with with dogma, it's, it's just it's there's this there's a reluctance to give up control, <laughs> right? To let the task take over yes. and and really embrace you know the, the 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 language, the content, the learning opportunities that that mm-hmm. emerge and uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, I, and to, and to kind of you know just just not wing it, but but um a little bit of guided mm-hmm. discovery, right? <laughs> like like. like guide them along the path Mm -hmm. um, through the, through the task, right. That's so interesting. And just knowing that that, that's all you need, but that's really hard. it's really hard to, to go from say um, a framework of a PPP or, or if you're, 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 you're comfortable using textbooks as as being your roadmap for a lesson. It's really difficult to kind of Mm -hmm. even do what you suggest, Leo, uh, Andrew, to take the lesson and flip it on its head and do the production first. And Mm -hmm. then, deal With issues as they come up, it's a it's it, it can be a giant leap or appear and seem like a giant leap to a lot of practitioners out there. I think,
0: I think what, what Scott and Luke did is they just kind of put a title or they put a name on something that I'm assuming many teachers were, were thinking about or, or were doing, and certainly since uh, have been applying, you know. But what you just said, Mike, is like there's like this underlying principle or mindset. In teaching, whether you're a language teacher or a math teacher or whatever, which I think is, you know, the teacher has to be in control. The teacher has to Mm -hmm. be leading. The teacher has to be giving instructions. The teacher has to be doing, in essence. And this right, exactly philosophy or mindset of dogma kind of implies the opposite, even though it's not really. Mm -hmm. But it implies. Well, you said relinquishing or giving up, which I think is very fascinating.
2: Well, because, I mean, going back to Neil Mercer, in dialogic pedagogy, very much like in dogme, the teacher is not the director of the lesson. The teacher is not the sage on the stage. The teacher is more of like a wise on the side, like a guide on the side, or like a facilitator of learning, right, as as opposed to having or being the sole source of knowledge and I think what I really like about Dogma is that it gives an opportunity for teachers to actually guide the conversation, right? To encourage this two-way dialogue with their students, asking questions, listening to responses, engaging in this back and forth exchange of ideas. And that is what kind of help helps create a more perhaps collaborative, a more interactive learning environment. And I think I remember reading this in 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 the in the teaching unplugged book. It's basically students feel empowered to participate. They feel like they have a voice. They feel like they can contribute to the learning process. They're not just going there and expecting to be fed information, right? And I think Mike can speak more about that because I'm sure he's that's pretty much what he's been doing with his PhD lately. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I just I just lost my train of thought there. But um, I mean, I, I'm looking at a very kind of narrow field of this. But um, the, the, the key thing with a lot of teachers is they set out saying that they want their students to be at the center of the lesson. And it's but when we look at our practice, we have to really critically ask ourselves, is that really what's happening in our lessons? <laughs> and I liked when we interviewed Jane Willis in one of our first podcast episodes when she was like, you know, just just time the amount of time that your students spend spend speaking in your class yes each individual Uh one and what you might discover is that in a 50 or 60 minute class they're only speaking for about one minute in total you know is that really (laughs) the best way to kind of go about student-based or student-centered language teaching and there must be another way and i just think when leo was speaking there i kind of lost my train of thought. But I mean, I think that really gets at it, right? Like, if the goal of the lesson is to generate as much rich language as possible, then perhaps an approach with like dogma, which focuses on meaning first, um, still provides avenues for focusing on form is is perhaps the way to mm-hmm. go. And, and as as Leo said, and this is what I was going to say. Um, from a planning perspective, the focus now switches from wow, how can I create and design handouts and fun activities to thinking about tasks and thinking about potential language that might emerge in those tasks. And while you're engaging in the tasks with the student in dialogue, you're now your role is now not the lesson planner as, as a in a prescriptive way, but rather. You're now a co-researcher you're you're invest engaging in co-inquiry with your students as you go through these tasks or as you work with texts and right. you're now saying with them wow like look at this like, do you notice what's happening here like let's let's really look at that and like let's explore why they're saying it this way in this situation or or You wanted to say this way, and then Jessica wanted to say it this way. Let's look at those options, and let's see what might be the difference. Are both possible? Let's explore that a little Mm -hmm. bit. And really, that's the kind of emotion, the the kind of uh, focus on on, um, inquiry that we want to kind of instill in our learners. Because really, those are the skill sets that lead to lifelong learning, right? And all the things that we need to become autonomous learners on our own. And it's only through modeling that in the classroom, through these strategies that was describing, mm-hmm. that we can really instill this kind of sense of curiosity about language. But that also, for us, means that in our free time, we shouldn't be designing language activities, per se. We should be reading lots of materials. We should be watching lots of TED Talks. We should be... Ex- going on youtube we should be exploring chat gbt and and looking for looking at text and how they operate and how they come together how people interact in certain situations comfortable ones uncomfortable ones and and thinking about um ways in which we might help students elaborate on their thoughts and ideas Mm -hmm. in situations or 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 how we might help them when they express interest hey teacher i've said this before is this also suitable here like you know like that's great i don't know let's explore that together so this is the type of mindset that we're recommending as a shift away from being the 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 the, the like my mother before christmas holiday get everything cooked and ready to go only to find out someone has a food allergy right like, <laughs> right versus <laughs> versus get a bunch of ingredients have people show up and let's make the meal together right yes. like
2: that's, that's yes. exactly what. that's a very it. good analogy yeah
0: Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. And welcome to another interview with a Teacher Accelerator member and Jessica Diaz. Thanks for joining us today.
2: And thank you for inviting me. When you have only one 101 lessons, one to one, there's a limit. You're going to have a limit of students. And even if you have like 20 students, that's too much. You're going to be overworked and overwhelmed. That's not something that I wanted. I'm not leaving school to be overworked with something that's going to leave me trapped again. That's, that's the thing of having your online course because you can be at the beach selling your course. This being overworked took, took a toll on my mental health. So I was like, I want to have time to go to the gym, to spend time with my family, with my friends. And I wasn't able to do that. I wanted to help more students and I also wanted to have more time for myself and also to develop myself as a professional because I wanted to read more. I wanted to take other courses. There's so much things uh, in the TAP course. Hey
0: everyone, this is Andrew from Learn Your English. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Teacher Talking Time. You know, this podcast is just one resource that we have here at LYE to help you in your teacherpreneur journey, but I also wanted to speak about another one that we have, which is our Teacherpreneur Support Network, or TSN. TSN is a free community for emerging teacherpreneurs to plant the seeds of their businesses and watch it grow at their own pace. No rushing, no stress, but with some light accountability to help you achieve what you're actually capable of. Specifically within TSN, you'll find free support from myself, Mike, and Leo to ask specific questions pertinent to your specific situation. You'll also find a free course on setting up the pillars to grow your business sustainably and avoid key mistakes that we made in our journey over the years. You'll also get access to all of our live workshops and live events focused on course and business design. More importantly, TSN is a guide to help you set up the foundations of your sustainable online business if you're really serious about taking that step. And it's all free to help you get moving. So to see if TSN is a good fit for you, you can join the conversation with other teacherpreneurs and us by clicking the link in the show notes below, or just join from our website, learnyourenglish.com to get started right away. That's learnyourenglish.com. Once enrolled over there on TSN, you'll be able to work with us directly for free and be given the guidance to set up your business the sustainable way. No magic pills, no quick fixes, no million dollar promises, just practical foundations that help you build the balanced business you envision for yourself. Better yet, you'll be able to collaborate with others on the same path as you. You know, we like to say that it's almost impossible to move forward unless we surround ourselves with others who are on the same trajectory as us. So if you're serious about challenging yourself and you really want to take that next step, head over to TSN and get started. Once again, you can click the link in the show notes or just join from our website, learnyourenglish.com. We hope to see you over there. And now, let's get back to the show.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Adriani. I'm a teacher in Brazil. You're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Olá gente, meu nome é Diane, eu sou professora no Brasil. Você está ouvindo Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. And hey, let's
2: use authentic Authentic ingredients, right? Let's and use organic, organic, oh, organic yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's where the authentic materials come into play, because we're <laughs> not USDA in...
0: organic or local organic. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Portlandia.
2: Uh, don't uh, get flagged by YouTube <laughs> for that one. Yeah, yeah. But this is where the authentic materials come into play, because, as you said, Mike, we're not really using material that has been—I I honestly think—that has been downgraded just for the consumption of a very specific audience. We're using materials that they're going to encounter. And I, don't, I we talk a lot about this name, the word authentic materials. And we talked about how we don't like the word authentic because what do you, what does a Spanish person or a Mexican person call a newspaper in their country? Authentic material or do they call it the newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and i think you you used the word i think you use the word artifacts i, I at one point do you remember w, that yes yes yeah, yes, yeah. Artifacts. language artifacts so yeah so just use we just use materials just use artifacts newspapers magazines and even this week I, i'm teaching um i'm teaching this mother and uh she told me she's like i want i read this article and i want to talk to you about it and i said what's the article about it was an article on the british psychological society website where Uh, parents give kids mixed messages about lying. And all we talked about was that article. And exactly what you said, Mike, we're just, she was super engaged because she was really dealing with something that was of interest, something that was authentic, something that was genuine, something that was related to her needs and the kinds of things that she wants to be talking about in, in the language. So I think that's another very important principle of Dogma, is this idea of using, let's not use the word authentic materials, but using materials, not using (laughs) (laughs) artifacts, yes, podcasts, newspapers, videos. The only reason
0: you have to qualify the word materials with authentic is because inauthentic materials exist. If they didn't exist, you would just say materials, right? So Like what textbooks level of, are of in, authenticity, yeah, 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 yeah. graded, which
2: right. is a yeah, whole so, bowl, right? Yeah, so basically, we have this focus on conversation and communication, we have this focus on language that naturally emerges from these interactions because this language is more authentic and more relevant to the student's needs because it's language that at the point of need, we talked about the teacher, the role, as you said, Andrew, it's a different mindset, it's a different philosophy that we need to shift into where we become more of a facilitator as opposed to the director of the lesson. And then, of course, moving away from inauthentic materials towards authentic materials, videos, articles, podcasts, and what have you. And, Mike, you touched on this when we were talking about um, the role of the teacher and the, and the student, but there's a lot of learner autonomy or learner responsibility with Dogma ELT. Because, again, learners are basically taking responsibility for their own learning, right?
0: I was just going to say that when those two beautiful stories that you guys just shared, like perfect examples. And I think that is the next step for this, like for me with dogma. because even with the whole dogma discussion, it's still a very like teacher-centered discussion, right? The teacher should, the teacher mm-hmm. shouldn't, the teacher does this. I think what like we're inferring from what you guys just shared is like the students going back to that, circling back to the outcome thing, like the students have to still be able to gauge their own progress, still see that they are progressing, still see that they are improving and be able to tell you, Hey Mike, like I did this today. Like when you asked them at the end of a lesson, like, so what are three takeaways for today's class? What are three things that you think you've improved? What are three things you still need to, why do you say that based on what like still having that reflection built in so that they are still able to, see that trajectory for themselves and because ultimately it is about them it's not about me or the mm-hmm. teacher right
1: oh i think that's a huge point andrew yeah yeah and i i think of i i think of all the the lessons i've observed um and even in my old days the, te- the lessons that i gave using the traditional methods and just not even never actually doing that then right and and with dogma it's 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 just a great way, as you said, to just wrap up a lesson by just focusing on those those three takeaways or, mm-hmm. or some sort of exit activity where they can really still um, focus on some some learning outcomes that have that have emerged. I think that's a that's a fantastic point because a lot of teachers I find who who want to use dogme but are a little shy or tentative or are, are 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 that way because of that reason. They're worried that the student will leave not knowing what was covered or not knowing not seeing the the lesson per se, and I'm doing air quotes, if you're listening to this. Um, So it is important, you know, to really wrap up a lesson with takeaways, with, Mm -hmm. with um, a goal setting stage, you know, what are, what are two things you've learned? What's one thing you want to learn more about um, on your own, and then bring back to the next lesson, right? Like, these are all really important for or learner autonomy, but just Mm -hmm. this idea of self-regulated learning, which again is really as teachers, that's our goal. It's not just to produce people who can speak a language better. It's to to provide transferable skills to help them become better human beings, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think before we wrap up this episode, I think a a, a good takeaway, since we're talking about um, providing students with opportunities for reflection, right? Reflect on their own learning and and, and the dialogue that takes, takes place in in the classroom, perhaps we could uh, reflect on what we talked about today and the dialogue that took place in this podcast today. And if you were a teacher, a new teacher, and you wanted to start implementing dialogic pedagogy in your classroom, in your own teaching, or if you wanted to start implementing dogma ELT in your teaching, what would be your number one tip for a teacher who wants to start doing this in the classroom tomorrow
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll start because i think i have one because i was talking to uh, a teacher in our our program today about her program that she's running she's doing her beta test and she had reflections on that so maybe this is her, her answer but I'll, I'll paraphrase it into my own answer but she okay. was um I don't want to say surprise, but she like had predicted this, but she was like, oh, it's, it's really, really nice to have it be confirmed. And she's working through her program, and she's saying the vast majority of challenges that I'm seeing with my clients that I kind of predicted, but it's nice to see happen, is that most of their challenges in doing the thing that they need to do are non-linguistic challenges or not, you know, obviously, intuitively linguistic and what she means by that is they have challenges like really inference, in, in inferring what other people mean when they say something or understanding like the body language or understanding the context or understanding, you know, OK, so there is some you know listening components and there's some vocab and stuff there. But it's not a lack of vocabulary. It's not a lack of grammar. It's not. It's a non-linguistic challenge. In that sense of like, she doesn't. They don't need ten more words to say something. They don't need yeah. more tenses. They need to understand that human interaction. They have the words. They have the grammar. Yeah. But their yeah. challenge is that. So she's help, even though it's a language program, she's finding she's not really helping them with the language at all. She's helping them with all these other non-linguistic elements. So I think I would say that to that teacher, is you don't need to focus on the traditional quote-unquote conventional linguistic aims, which I'm not saying are unimportant. Don't mistake what I'm saying. But you can just go into that class tomorrow and say, today I'm going to help them communicate and I'm not even going to, I'm using now, I'm using air quotes, not going to have vocabulary lists. I'm just going to give them a task to communicate what they need to do, listen to what happens and help them do it better when we do it again in the same class You know, 20 mm-hmm. minutes from now.
1: Now you're getting closer to my PhD study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Andrew, I I would just echo what Andrew said. Yeah. And I think, I think, Leo, this goes back to what you said and what I said earlier that they teachers. So first of all, teachers need to listen, they need to listen to Mm. the students, they if they're not hearing the students voices, then then perhaps they're doing too much. And I think it's not just them learners displaying language, but it's like really listening. Like, are they actually Mm -hmm. making meaning in the language? Are they just regurgitating forms? That's not what we want. What we Mm -hmm. want is, as Leo said earlier, we want them, as as Andrew alluded to as well, we want them to be communicating in meaningful interaction for whatever purpose, be it a presentation, be it a debate or, or whatnot. And we need to realize that, again, that like... The additional language is, is what they're using while they're doing the task. And therefore, they're gaining that proficiency. And then mm-hmm. therefore that improvement becomes the outcome. So it's only through learning by doing that they'll improve. So give up the control. Mm-hmm. Trust your students. And again, as Leo said, guide from the side. Yeah. Find the point of need and and then help them with their error. Sure. Help them with elaboration. Let them know how their own ideas might might add or impact meaning overall right um that's it you know just
2: i'm gonna some control yeah. i'm gonna add my ideas based on your ideas so i'm just, just going to pick back <laughs> on what you guys said and just um add a little more to it but i think the first one and this is something that i'm trying to do now that i'm back to a classroom after a long hiatus is i'm really trying to foster a supportive culture, a supportive educational culture in the classroom, where I'm really trying to create a safe and respectful learning environment where the students feel 100% comfortable sharing their ideas, sharing their opinions. And I try to really emphasize that collaboration, communication, dialogue, are essential components of any kind of education. You cannot really change who you are if you're not willing to collaborate with other people to communicate and to engage in these kinds of of dialogues. Another thing that I'm going to um, add, based on what you both said, is if you need something to start using in class tomorrow, start with questions. Start with asking open-ended questions because when you ask open-ended questions, you're basically encouraging a lot more discussion, you're encouraging a lot more debate, you are allowing for multiple perspectives, multiple answers. You can even, you know, ask them things like, oh, how can you verify what you're saying? How can you disapprove that assumption? Which is something that I've been trying to do more with, with my students. So, Start with open-ended questions. Ask lots of them. And as you said, Mike, and, and also you, Andrew, listen, but listen actively. Listen carefully to what the students are saying, not just what they're getting right, but also on areas that they can actually improve, right? And then by doing that and providing that kind of feedback, and providing that kind of feedback that would encourage more thinking and more um, discussion. And I think that if, teachers take some of these steps that we've just shared, these tips, I think they can immediately start to create a more dialogic, a more collaborative learning environment in their own classroom, which I believe, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree, I think this is what really promotes deeper learning and higher levels of engagement among their students because then, then you won't have to motivate them. They're going to be naturally motivated.
0: Exactly. One of my favorite questions to ask and you guys use this all the time. Is just, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And that opens the floodgates to just this. This teacher in our program, she was talking about how um, a lot of our clients will talk about how they're 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 an optimist, for example, but when asked for examples or to elaborate, they get stuck. And that's what she means by non-linguistic, because they know the words, they just don't know how to express themselves right. using the words that they already know. Right. So, yeah. oh, I'm I'm an optimist. Oh, what do you mean by that? And then just and then obviously students are going to take that on. And I think, Leo, you say this a lot, like when we when we listen, we shouldn't listen to respond. We should listen to understand. Right. And and mm-hmm. from a, a language learner perspective, a lot of time I think we get stressed, for lack of a better word, on when someone's asking me something and I know I have to respond. I'm maybe not so much paying attention to what they're saying, but I'm getting what am I going to say when they're done? What am I going to say? And if they're, we train them to just use the same approach, like, oh, to really engage in yeah. that conversation, like, oh, hey, what what, what do you mean by that? And that just op- it gives them another tool, and it really can open open the classroom really productively. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and just to properly quote, uh, I didn't say that. I think it was the guy from that book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, okay. He said that the biggest, I think the quote is, the biggest problem or the communication problem is that we don't listen to understand, we listen to reply. So I kind of like just changed mm-hmm. it to like, you should listen, we, instead of listening to reply, listen to understand, right? So this I just okay. kind of shortened it a little bit. We don't, <laughs> don't listen to hear, we listen to respond. There's variations of this. So that's basically how dogma OT um, differs from traditional approaches. I think we've talked about this. The key difference is that it's really more dialogic in its pedagogy. It doesn't rely on these prepackaged materials. It's not a teacher-centered approach. And I think as we are, we agreed here, it's more focused on this use of authentic communication and interaction, emergent language, materials that are more natural, more real, or language artifacts, as Mike likes to call them. And of course, putting um, a greater emphasis on teacher as a facilitator, and of course, on learners, taking more responsibility, taking more ownership for their own learning. And in the next episode, which will come out after this one, we're gonna be talking about the popularity of Dogma YoT. Why is Dogma YoT becoming more and more? I, I would say the it's the resurgence of Dogma YoT, it's the uh the renaissance. Because uh people are talking about Brendan Fraser, he was in that movie The mm-hmm. Whale, which mm-hmm. I watched this weekend. No comments, I'll wait for you guys to watch, no spoilers okay. here. But he's dealing with—they're calling a a because it's Brendan, right? <laughs> Brandon. So we will talk about the 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 dogma YLT, the the of dogma YLT, which again it fell out of flavor for a while and then it's back. So so stay tuned. All right. We're gonna have another episode. I think we're gonna have about four episodes where what we're do gonna do a dogma, a dogmatic series yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, do a dogma series. A lot series. of questions
1: coming through, so we can draw on those and and create some episodes. We need to those. come
0: up with a better collocation though, because like we have a lot of questions. How do I do dogma? We need to, we can't have do dog. That's that's not that's, too, that's not like we need to come up yeah. with a better one. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, you don't do implement. Dogme. How do we put I a guess? leash
1: on dogma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or do we want to put a leash on it? Oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a good question. You don't mm-hmm. want to put That's a leash on that for the dog. Comment section, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, That's a very dog. That is an question. unleashed
2: dog. Yeah. 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 Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and uh, sign up to listen to more, more episodes. Don't forget to join our YouTube channel. You can just hit the subscribe button there. And if you want to learn more about our Teacherpreneur Support Network, And our TAP program, Mike, Andrew, where can people find us?
0: The link is in the chat below, but you can also check us out on the website, LearnYourEnglish.com. Instagram, Learn Your English, everywhere, or email, if if you prefer, info at LearnYourEnglish.com.
2: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.